I'm Jonathan Lowe. I'm the Executive Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Lazy Boy Southeast. Uh, you are watching our new podcast. It's Surviving in the Amazon. This is a podcast that's going to tackle challenges that we have in retail, how to be a leader in the retail arena. And uh, today, I have a really good friend and a friendly competitor, yeah. Roddy Flair <laughs> from Queen City. Yeah, good to see you, Jonathan. Very good nice. To be Thank here. you for being yeah. here. Yeah. We're excited about it. That's going to be a good time. Thank you for coming to our podcast. Sure thing, Jonathan. You're part of our first episode. There you go. I'm specializing in how to survive in uh, the Amazon, is what we call it. How to be successful in real re retail and how to make some money and have fun doing it. So I want to get started by introducing you, Roddy Player. Sure. Queen City. Tell me a little about your where you went to school, background. Yeah, so I'm Roddy Player with Queen City Audio Video and Appliances. Um, went to Wake Forest University, uh, finished several decades ago, back in the <laughs> middle 80s, and uh, have been working in a family business uh, that my dad started back in 1952. Uh, so I came straight out of school and, and went to work for, for my dad in the family business. Uh, got a business degree from Wake Forest, and I've um, uh, been working in the business ever since. So. So you left Wake Forest and went straight into your family business? I did. I did. I actually worked summers uh, and things from when I was a young child, you know, even eight, nine years old. I'd go with, with my father to on the week on Saturdays to, uh, so he, he'd get somebody to clean the stores, what he wanted. Yeah. What I'd go in for, so I'd be cleaning the floors and, and cleaning the bathrooms and stuff like that for him. And just what was fun about that, though, is I would do that in the mornings and then in the afternoons, I'd just kind of go hang out with salespeople and, and listen to them, talk to customers and and I was just kind of, it's one of those things I was kind of fascinated by, uh, the process of, you know, people coming into the store, needing things that, that uh, my dad had in the store and, and salespeople trying to help them figure out what the right product was for them. And, and uh, sales process was a lot different that day because consumers didn't have the same kind of information they have sure. today. So they were really, uh, the salespeople really did drive the whole sales process back in those days. But, uh, but that was a lot of fun. So I, I did that summers and, and then when I got into you know, my teenage years, I was riding on a delivery truck, uh, installing things for, for customers. And, and uh, once I finished high school, uh, then I could go into sales uh, and did so uh, after I finished high school. I went to East Mecklenburg High School here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, and so um, that was kind of the, uh, the next step. And then I came out of school with a business degree and started doing some different things around the business and uh, just been doing it ever since. So. Yeah, my, some of my fondest memories are being stuck in yeah. washing dishes at Shoney's. <laughs> That's right. When I was yeah. 14, I was yeah. washing dishes. Yeah. How about that? Or if I got in real trouble, he would stick me uh, just cooking bacon all day. No, oh, there you go. That made me want to go to school. There you go. For there sure. you go. Well, the restaurant business is tough. You know, we Ooh. talk about retail being tough. Sure you know, we've always fair. had a lot of respect for people in the restaurant business because, once again, the, the hours they put in. A lot of and, hours. Uh, dealing with all the employees. And, I've always uh, said you'll be, if everyone could just wait tables once in their life, yeah. this world would be sure. very sure. nice. Sure. <laughs> could understand. Well, you know, it's, it's a service related business, you sure. know, like we are too in retail. And so, uh, yeah, but a lot of respect for the, for the restaurant tours. Uh, and, and, we and get instant feedback for sure. <laughs> That's right. We know if we're doing That's a good right. job. Yeah. Where was yeah. your for your family's first location? So actually, it's in downtown Charlotte. Uh, back in those days, you know, downtown you Charlotte downtown. was a thriving. <laughs> excuse me, uptown <laughs> Charlotte. Right? Uptown can say downtown. Charlotte. You're right. <laughs> it was downtown back then, though. Yeah. To, to, to your, your point, but uh, so it was actually on West Second Street. So it's really right wow. downtown, and and. Uh, 
1952, and, and back in those days, and my dad had been in the World War II and uh, came out and went to uh, a, kind of a trade school uh, on a GI Bill. GI Bill, uh, yeah. To, my dad uh, to, the same learn, thing. to learn how to, uh, at that point, was really repair TVs. Uh, the manufacturers had their own retail back then. There were different brands, you know, the brands we have today are, uh, were not available back then, but at least in the States anyway. But there were brands like Paramount TV and, and Munts TV, and, and, and they owned their own retail stores, but they didn't want anything to do with service. And so they needed guys like my dad to service the TVs. And so that's all they did was run service calls all day. And, and um, uh, But the store was on West 2nd Street. Uh, he actually got into sales because back in those days, the manufacturers used finance companies to, to help them finance these purchases. Uh, and the, the product wasn't very reliable. So they would break down and things break down, people don't want to pay for them. So yeah. unfortunately, they had a lot of repossessed TVs. And uh, so one of the bankers called my dad and says, hey, we got hundreds of TVs down here and don't know what to do with them. So uh, will you come buy them from us? Well, he didn't have any money. Uh, so he said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll come down there and I'll get 15 or 20 of them and, and uh, on a, like on a Tuesday. And uh, he'd repair them on Wednesday and Thursday, and then they'd sell them on the weekend. He'd take the money to the gallon the next Monday or Tuesday. And so they kind of had this relationship going. Uh, back in those days, you know, handshakes meant a lot. And, and right. uh, so they, they trusted my dad would do, do the right thing. And so they put him in the sales business. And it was used TVs back then. And, and then um, the manufacturers decided they didn't like retail uh, shortly after that and opened up distributors who would bring in the product in bulk. Right. And they would find dealers like my dad. Uh, to to uh, to uh, sell to, uh, and they would floor plan them. So the distributors uh, were wealthy families generally, and they would finance their dealers. And uh, same kind of drill. They put the product in the stores, and as they sold them, they would pay for them. And so they had a good relationship. Sure, full of an entrepreneur. Oh yeah. Well, you know what? That that's the hard part. You know, starting a business. That's right. You know, I, I've been able to sustain a business and grow a business, but I tell you what, to have the early. Uh, courage uh, to, to do the things they did. I can't imagine because, to be honest with you, there were 30 guys just like him within you know 10 or 12 blocks mm-hmm. of the square. And so to differentiate yourself, and uh, it was a different different deal back you then. You got to have some luck, but, but I, yeah. I do believe the harder you work, yeah. the luckier you get. Well, there was some luck too, actually, because uh, back in uh, I guess the when color TV first came out, the first TV show was the uh, World of Disney on a sunny night and so it was one of these kind of a launch party kind of thing and and so people like my dad you know they all promoted we're gonna have color tv in the stores and and uh so everybody comes downtown and uh and they showed this disney broadcast and color tv and all these guys uh, my dad's tv worked and the other tvs broke down and so uh, <laughs> everybody came to his store and so he got some recognition so there's your love factor awesome. too so he was the guy who had the reliable tvs yeah. And uh, knew how to keep them going. So yeah, so that was that was the lucky thing you're talking about. Well, it's amazing to see that that you're keeping that legacy. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hard Thank work. You. Yeah. Yeah. That hard work doesn't go for for anything. Yeah. So what um, what do your customers love about Queen City? What do you? You hear? know, our our business is really we talked about customer service, and and our people uh, mean everything to our business and the success of our business. People come to us because they have needs that. Uh, uh, there's a lot of options out there for people, and our people will help find the right option for them. We'll make sure they got the best price in the market, and so it's really about our people. And then, you know, to follow that through, the execution on the delivery side, and installation side, 
uh, you know, hopefully we're making it a, an easy process and, a, and, a, and giving the customer a good experience. But I, I tell you, you know, it, it's uh, the consumer's dynamics have changed, but at the end of the day, it's still about people helping people make decisions that are benefit their lives. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's, I think, uh, what, we, what differentiates us from our competitors these days are different than they were 10 years ago. And, and uh, but our employees, and I average 10 years, about 16, 17 years in, wow. in, in our business, uh, even down to the rank and file you know, operations employees and admin employees, they, uh, they've been with us a long time. They know what to do. It makes, makes my job easy, to be honest with you, because I'm just kind of, you know, trying to direct them and, and give them guidance on, the, on how to grow the company. But uh, at the end of the day, it's about the people and what they do for our consumers out there. I met with, uh, I don't know if you know Vistage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kurt yeah. Graves is a, the yeah. chair here in yeah. Charlotte. He's right. my, my business coach. Sure, yeah. Best advice he gave me was trying to identify where my stress is. Right. Why do you stress? Right. And it came back every time to, well, that person didn't do their job. Well, yeah, sure. So if you have that tenure and that many people mm-hmm. doing their job, yeah. your stress is a lot less. Right, yeah. So it's lucky. great advice. Yeah, yeah. You know, part of this podcast and people are listening are how to beat Amazon. Right. I think it's the, uh, everyone talks about it. It's a huge company. I was meeting with uh, Diamonds Direct. Yeah. You hear his, uh, the president there. You hear his commercials yeah. all the time on the yeah. radio. Yeah. They do a lot of radio. But he said something to me that that made a lot of sense was it's not about the price. Yeah. You could be a hundred thousand or a thousand, but luxury is that experience. Mm-hmm. And you touch on we at, at Lazy Boy Southeast experience is everything. Right. We try and differentiate ourselves getting out of the commodity business right. and having right. that relationship. Right. So you've been able to do that very successfully. We've been lucky. We really have been lucky. And like you say, there's options just like you guys have. There's you know. I look outside. There, there must be a hundred chairs out there to choose from, and, and so different comfort levels, different fits. Diff- well, you're right, and and uh, different uh-huh. comfort levels, and and everybody has their own. Um, it's got to feel good to them, you know. Right. It's funny, you know. We're always trying to interview and try and find top flight salespeople, and and you talk about Amazon, and not just Amazon, but that whole environment, the online retailing and stuff like that. And so this guy actually uh, worked for a local mattress uh, uh, retailer. And so we started talking about this, how, you know, competing with uh, the online beds, mattress, mattress retailers, and, and uh, who are having a lot of success out there, too. And uh, he said he had somebody in the stores talking about that. I've been looking at this bed online. And so his question was, well, how did it feel? He said, the customer looked at him and said, what do you mean, how did it feel? I said, well, you know, we got, we got 100 mattresses in the store here that I'm, we can help make sure we get the right one that, that feels right to you. Well, how did that online mattress feel? And so the customer kind of recoiled and said, you know what, you're right. Yeah. I have no idea how that feels. So how in the world would somebody buy something they can't touch, feel, mm-hmm. uh, and see? And uh, in our industry, too, at Queen City, we, we've got lots of different colors that you just can't quite see color online. Mm-hmm. You, know, you got fabrics out here at Lazy Boy to pick from to customize your your things and so while you might see the general the shades of the color could be different based on the settings on your own computer much less the the camera that's being shot with so touching feeling uh that's an important part of big ticket retail if you're going to spend you know our average ticket could be eighteen hundred two thousand dollars and i doubt y'all are any different could be more that uh, if you're going to spend that kind of money why would you not want to go touch it and feel it you're not going to pay more money you know, you're not going to pay more money. And, and while you might think it's a little, it's maybe it's not quite as convenient to sit in your in your bathrobe and, and order something online. Mm-hmm. But, boy, if you make a bad decision, think about the hassle of sending the back. Returning, and, the, oh, my goodness. The boxing um, it up. Yeah. But it's true. Right. With, a, with a big ticket, and that's a great way to look at it, mm-hmm. 
It's an investment. We're lucky to you can come and touch. Sure, sure. We, that's yeah. our business. Exactly. When I went through training in this role, yeah, the uh, we have a really good rep, Rick Huey. Yeah. He said, if you don't know the answer, just say comfort. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so why do we do that? Comfort. Yeah. We yeah. get it right every time. Yeah. But yeah. that's you yeah. have to sit in it. Sure, and you're you gonna sit it for, for for years, years time. and years and That's years. Right. You know, and, and our stuff too. You know, the average lifespan of our appliances and electronics is you know ten or twelve years, and, and furniture you know probably longer than I think that. I still they, have my washer and dryer from, from they a good. long time ago. Uh, so, um, <clears throat> uh, but we're, we're lucky, and, and there's so much innovation in everybody's product out there. I mean, there's mm-hmm. innovation in fabrics and furniture, and there's innovation in appliances, and things become more and more efficient and and can create some somewhat of an obsolescence, I guess, in our industry where energy costs can go down substantially. You know, if you had a refrigerator 15 years ago, you know, the ones today probably cost 125 to $150 less in energy mm-hmm. cost to run it. So over a 10-year period, you bought I a new bought one. I bought a though. TV from you. It was a DLP. Yeah. Toshiba oh, yeah. DLP. Yeah. I think yeah. I paid. Yeah. Probably four grand for it. Yeah, there you go. Now I look at TVs, I'm like, I could get it 500. Yeah. It looks bigger. Yeah. Man, that, yeah. Was, a, gosh, yeah. that was a long yeah. time ago. Yeah, that's great. Let's talk about challenges. Yeah. What's your biggest challenge? So in, in our marketplace today, um, you know, it, it's really, we're, we're in such a low level unemployment. Um, and there's, you know, so recruiting salespeople and operations people. So it's, it's fine enough people to work. Uh, our business is growing. We're growing rapidly. We've opened up two stores in the market since, uh, la- well, actually since last June. And uh, so that's been our biggest challenge, trying to uh, talk to people about the opportunities in retail. Uh, some of the younger people don't quite understand, and, and part of that's on us. I think that we've got to, they don't understand the, the sales process and the compensation plans and things like that. So we're trying to, uh, to modify and, and, and our plans so that it's more appealing to some of the younger people out there who, um, you know, want to work. They don't mind work. Uh, they just mm-hmm. work differently than, 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 than you and I did uh, or always have. And so, you know, we're, we're taking a look at trying to figure out ways to recruit them and explain to them and give them compensation plans that make more sense to them and give them incentives. You know, you know, salespeople at the end of the day, they're, they're driven to sell more because the more they sell, the more they, money they make. You know, even if somebody says they're, they're not on commission, well, at the end of the day, it's a commission, it's a bonus, whatever it is. But successful salespeople, they uh, want that. They want that. They better so, want and it. And they don't mind working the hours to get right. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, we're kind of at a point where you know, I think that some of them feel a little bit of stress from the hours that we work. But um, recently, we've, we've, we've had some, some nice recruiting success um, and doing some work on Indeed, trying to get out in front of some things that's presented some opportunities. But, um, but it's about finding people for us. Once we uh, find the, the, the people, you know, we're looking for people with great personalities. First of all, communication skills and a good personality. We can teach them how to sell, you know, we sure. can teach them how to sell the stuff that we have. That's the easy part. But, but that, that work ethic and that drive to, to, uh, to get to work every day, um, and, and the challenges there, you know, at the end of the day, there, there's somewhat similar process on a daily basis. Consumers are coming in they're you know, talking to about product, trying to qualify and find the right stuff. But, um, uh, that's that's not for everybody, you know. We work nights, we work weekends, uh, mm-hmm. and so we. Uh, but you know, our people are are well compensated for that, um, and so that's the message that we try and get across. And and it does take time, mm-hmm. you know. When you when you're trying to hire an employee, it really, as an owner of the business, you know, the, the amount of money we put into training and the time it takes before they're really a, a productive salesperson, 
is easily six months or more. Yeah, and so the, that's if, if you can't, if they don't stick, then the cost of that lost is, is tremendous. So it hurts. It, it does. And so we've been real lucky um, uh, in finding and in, in holding on to people. Um, and so, and part of that's trying to build the right culture. You know, if it's not a comfortable place to work, if it's not mm-hmm. a, if it's not a, an engaging community at the, at the individual stores, then, then you'll struggle with that too. But uh, uh, and then operations people, you know, talk about that, you know, the people that actually put it in the home. Uh, that's a tough job. I mean, today yeah. we're, we're sitting here in the middle of June. We hit so hundred people complain yeah. about delivery. I'm like, Let, let's go on a delivery yeah, truck. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you, you know, bring it's, a towel. and it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be 95 or seven today, <laughs> whatever it is outside. And you can imagine being in a truck out there and, and, uh, all day long, you know, you're making eight or 10 stops and, and, uh, you're, you're squeezing through holes and through doorways and things like that, trying to take care of somebody's product. That's not an easy job. And you have a truck so, all day. Exactly. And so, uh, but we, we've, we've kind of given them some incentive plans too that make a little bit more sense for them to be more productive and, and get the work done. And, uh, so, uh, but it's still, we need more people in a growing business in Charlotte's such a low unemployment. It's hard to find the right ones, but yeah. We, we redid our pay plans last year. So, yeah. uh, Jacob Jones is our VP of analytics. Okay. We sat down about a year ago. We made everything consistent. The manager, we have a designer in every yeah, store sure. uh, who is on salary. Salespeople mm-hmm. were all consistent. Right. My VPs, me, we redid our whole plan. Right. But it's, I try and make it simple as possible. Yeah. That's you, true, too. Yeah, you really need to explain better. it to them. Right. I, I'm finding them. <clears throat> my challenge is I want, I came from commercial real estate where if you didn't work, you didn't make money. Right. I mean, it was pretty simple. We were yeah. all 1099. So. Yeah. But you know, the transactions in that business are so much fewer than so exactly. many fewer than, than in a retail store. Years. So when right. you do, you're so hopefully doing four or five culture. a day here, yeah, <laughs> exactly, <know>? or more. <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm trying to keep a retention rate right at about eighty percent, but I'm trying to keep my turnover rate at seventy. Yeah. yeah. So I'm finding if I hire ten people, six don't make it. Really? Okay. Wow. And when I say a, don't make it, a true writer. Yeah doing 70 80,000 a month. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. our challenge. It's yeah. my challenge as a leader. Yeah. How do I cultivate that culture? Right. How do I be tough? Hold accountability. I don't believe in micromanaging, but I do believe in holding standard and accountability. Right. We talk about culture. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. I think that's yeah. the quickest yeah. way to lose culture if you yeah. don't do that. Yeah. And so we're actually uh, going to start uh, initiating a, a, another another culture focus. We did it 6 or 8 years ago. Uh, and are going to launch again to kind of restate, reshape where we are and uh, going forward. Because, like I say, that your business changes too. And, and mm-hmm. you know, people say, what, what is culture? Well, you got a culture whether you realize it or not. And that culture either helps you keep and retain people and motivate them to continue to do a good job or, or it doesn't. And right. so if, if you can build a culture that's comfortable for everybody, and that's one of those buzzwords. I'm not a big buzzword guy, but at the end of the day, it, it's how it, how it feels in your work environment. And if it feels good in there and you got support, uh, from from your coworkers, then then you're going to be success- you have a better chance to be successful. Expectations are set. Mm-hmm. You know the the amount of work that each and every employee puts in is is uh, fairly level, and you don't have somebody dominating uh, dominating the work and somebody who might be taking a little bit lighter load. And so, um, but that's what that culture can do for you, and kind of uh, have boundaries that are set up among the workforce. I call freedom of with a the framework. There you go. Framework. There you go. So you're, you're good in this box. Yeah. yeah. And, and I trust yeah. you. You're going to do yeah. your job. I hired right. you. Right. So right. you have the skill you qualify. But yeah. once you get out of that right. box, it gets uh, it gets out of hand quickly. 
Yeah, but uh, we've been real lucky about that. And, you know, our veteran people, you know, they, they, they are challenged by when new people come in to help them too, I think. And so, you know, on the sales floor, sometimes there might be little competitive things that go on, but at the end of the day, you know, successful people breed more success. Right. And so that's what we try and talk about a lot about that too. So if you've got a weak link in that chain out there, it just kind of drags the whole, whole company, the whole store down anyway. Mm -hmm. And so it's um, amazing. The, One person. Yeah. The, the more successful that. each, each and every person is the better the store does, which breeds more business for everybody. And, and, uh, what rising flat tide floats all boats, yeah, right? We say but, that uh, here. Absolutely. Uh, so, but, uh, yeah, but it's about that, that culture, those people, but, but that's a challenge, you know, in a, in a, in, a, in an environment in Charlotte, unemployment's low. Uh, so there's not a lot of people out there banging on the doors to come work retail. And so, and the young people we talked about, I mean, we're even talking about trying to build a, a job share plan and, you know, thinking of retail job share, holy cow, you know, we're open 66 hours a week. And so how do you set up a job share plan? Because people, they'll come in, look around a little bit and, and, and maybe they don't always buy on the first time they come in the store. And so if they call back to the store looking for Bobby or Sally or Johnny and they're not there, but uh, you know, it's potentials there. And so if you, if you said, but that's why I've never been a real, a real fan of part-time workers, we just seasonal workers, for the first time. did you? First time yes. in our Asheville market. Yeah. So I'm looking more for a job share with two part-timers that can finish each other's sentences yeah. and, and, and have records of the customers they talk to. Um, and so uh, we're just trying to build that job description and, and, and figure out what that looks like. But that's the kind of stuff that gives you, you know, gives you a little Challenge. bit of stress. So but. our designer, our uh, in-home design program, mm -hmm. right. we go to your house. Sure. And I'm very market-driven, yeah. very customer-driven. Right. So how can I have a part-timer say, nope, I can't come. Right. I know you're free, but I can't. Right. Yeah. Maybe next week sure. I think we're going to lose that person. Sure. They'll just sure. walk across the street. Exactly. That's my challenge, a part-time. Um, Asheville, retirement community, younger, right. there's a need for it. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's a challenge. So the, re the retired scenarios, too, is working. It's an opportunity for they, the part-time work. Right. They want to work. They you do. need to work. And they're and quality. So, yeah, and they are. And, and they show up, and mm -hmm. they're good communicators, and, uh, and they, they, they're there because they want to be there. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit different, different scenario there. So um, Well, we had 750 sales applicants in the month of May. Wow. That's awesome. You send some my way. And we hire, <laughs> it's too much. We yeah. can't, we, yeah. uh, we started yeah. using a company out of Boston that helped us automate and filter. Yeah, yeah. But out of that 750, we only hired, I think, nine. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that is another. That's another, protecting culture. Yeah, there's another challenge there, too. And I'm not sure how those names came to you, but the, the, the typical vehicles out there today, the Indies of the world and, and uh, the, uh, these other online scenarios, They'll, they, uh, I guess they've got algorithms that kind of just throw resumes at you when you post something, and they're really, you, they may not even know that they've their resumes gotten in front of you, so you right. touch base with them, and they didn't you apply, and this and that kind of stuff. But, but this last scenario, we, we actually posted an ad, I guess, on Indeed, a banner or something like that, and we we've got nice applications came in for us, and these people were interested in what we were doing. They, they they're familiar with our business, and so uh, we're gonna have, we've got some good success there, and have come up with you know a handful of good candidates that I think that'll that'll fit in well with what we're trying to accomplish. When were you at a staff level that you were happy? Oh. I haven't been there in a while, so that's yeah, no, yeah. So probably two I don't years. know that you're ever happy, <laughs> you know. Although you know, we, we you know we all went through this recession. I guess it's been ten years ago now, yeah. 
And so back then, um, you know, um, the economy was bigger. The, the I had, had more stores back then, and had two hundred employees, and I couldn't I couldn't find enough people to work yeah. uh, back then. And, and uh, so, but it, it's it's always always there, you know. And you're always looking for good salespeople, you know. You're always looking for good installation guy uh, guys, and, and uh, um, so you never turn them down. But but just being being happy with the number of employees, it's it's. Uh, I don't, I don't know if we'll ever get there. You yeah. know, I, I think uh, uh, if you see good people, you want to try and bring them in because they'll bring more business to you at the end of the day. So I don't remember ever being happy with yeah, that. I haven't. Um, yeah. I love our employees. Yeah. But I always wanted, I guess it's coming from sports world mm-hmm. growing up. Yeah. I, I believe in cream rises to the top. Sure. And I believe people need to push people. Yeah. And if you right. are going to do your job, I right. hope we have someone in line to do it. The farm, the, the bench, yeah, the that's bench, right. the, the, and, and that's Being the trained. hard thing. And so, you know, uh, what we're probably not as diligent at is trying to find, have a list of people to, to uh, we don't have a line of people waiting to work either. Yeah, we don't need You know, the, that, uh, but, um, so that that's that scenario. So somebody leaves you and you got a big hole trying to fill it. And, you know, to be honest with you, uh, you know, one of the, you know, the reason the salespeople stay with me is I don't flood the floors, you know, so... Our competitors, you know, would typically put 25 or 30 percent more salespeople on the floor than they really needed to be. You, you said 70 or 80 thousand dollars of sales per, you know, same kind. We want million dollar producers, you know, right. same kind of number, 80, was it 86 or seven or eight uh, per month. And, and mm-hmm. so, but, you know, if, if you've got 10 people on the sales floor and, and uh, they can't get to those kind of numbers, we would prefer to put seven on there. They'll work the hours. Right. It's not a matter of that. And so we want them to be successful. They'll make more, the seven will make, make as much money as the 10. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to be more successful. They're going to be happier. And, you know, we've got, at the end of the day, we've got 80 families that we're trying to support. Right. And so uh, if, if we've got, um, if those 80 employees are taking more money home, then, then that's good for us, good for my business. And, and take uh, care of employees, your customers. Exactly. They, they realize where the you know where it comes from and it right. comes from those consumers out there um, so but um, that's kind of I'm always I talk to the managers a lot on what is that number yeah because I always right. want more yeah they want less right. salespeople definitely want yeah. less yeah and we so we set goals I think a little different than than uh, my previous careers but we set goals based on what we want mm-hmm. we, we had a huge growth mode Good. we built a distribution center relocated our Charleston opened Asheville, opened Savannah, mm-hmm. new, new markets, so mm-hmm. more expensive. Um, so we set goals based on where we want to take the company. Right. And every store needs to meet their goal. Right. If we don't beat them, then we got to cut something. We, right. just, we don't say, well, better luck next year. Right. So I'm very aggressive with our goals because I know what sure. we need. So how many salespeople do you want? Right. That number seems well, to be there's different. A, there's a mix. You know, like you say, you can you can starve the salespeople and maybe they maybe they're hungry and they sell more um but we our people tend to not mind that effort and and uh so but i'll you know their expectations are to follow up and make sure they're taking care of those customers out there too uh but at the end of the day you can like i say you can flood the floors and maybe the store does a little bit more business but uh you might i think we have an experience that our employees are more are, are better and are happier uh, by staying a little bit thinner. I'm not saying it's thin. There's no people to wait on customers on the weekends and right. things like that. But um, <clears throat> um, but but I think we, we're kind of on the short end of it. We need and, and we'll be hiring you know, another five or six salespeople and probably the same number of operations people over the next 90 days. 
um, but we're continuing to grow too. And so, you know, in our marketplace, we, we've had the redistribution of, of some market share out there with some national companies that are one struggling in a, in a Sears and another one, an H.H. Gregg that's actually, you know, liquidated a year ago. And so we, we've got an aggressive growth plan too. And so it takes, it takes people to do all that. That's right. And, uh, Good people. You know, you said we've opened up a store in Monroe, North Carolina here last June. And our store in Pineville opened up. It is. 74 yeah. that. That's you a drive good, down. Good little road. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And then we opened up here in Pineville uh, uh, in December last uh, in 17. And so, uh, but, you know, the stores are doing great. Uh, but we're getting some, some double-digit growth out of our comp stores, too, uh, which is it's important great. to us. And that's basically because some of the retailers have struggled out there. Uh, in, in our industry, um, who's so, your biggest competitor? You know, it's national, uh, or local. Yeah, uh, national. You know, national competitors in, in the appliance business. You know, Sears was number one for years and years and years. They've struggled and closed a lot of stores in our marketplace. They still have a presence. Uh, uh, but Lowe's and Home Depot are competitors of ours. Um, okay. Lowe's has a little stronger market share in the Carolinas, and Home Depot does as you get towards Georgia. Yeah. I guess Home Depot's uh, share goes up a little bit. And actually, Home Depot probably has a little bit better national. Mm-hmm. Uh, presence going west and and uh, but but the Carol and the Carolinas and the Southeast Lowe's mm-hmm. is a good bit stronger and and um, there's some independence in the marketplace too but um, you what know cons? we uh, cons is a different kind of business uh, than what we're in um, you know I've hired two managers from cons have you um, it's a, it's a hard working culture like there change. yeah it's a hard working culture there mm-hmm. um, they're they're more of a, a I think a credit house is what the industry would call them. Um, they've got some mainline products out there, but they're really more interested in, 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 in people with, with uh, uh, that credit needs and credit challenges and things like that and have a way to finance. Them. Yeah, have a way to finance them. Uh, a lot of in-house financing they'll do. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, they're, they're uh, you know, uh, um, it's funny. They've been on a big expansion plan, and some of these big companies, they start growing, and they'll teeter on, on you know, failure. Um, but um, they've had some leadership changes in there in the last few years. They're uh, actually I'm real familiar with them. They've been part of some buying groups that we've been a part of, and so knew their merchants and they're tremendous merchants. Built that business, uh, tremendous founder, hard driving out of Beaumont, Texas, and uh, but all that's changed now. And so uh, they um, have gone public, and so the the core that built the business is, is mostly gone now and so they'll they'll change and like I say they've struggled in some areas and they've righted the ship a, a time or two and so I think their business will be a lot related on interest rates and things like that too so as rates are changing now we'll see how that goes for them uh, I, I don't know the real relationship and which which is better for them lower interest or high interest rates um, but uh, at the end of the day when the economy's when economy is okay they'll, they'll do fine um, but um, they're, they're a pretty big company, and I think they're probably selling a little bit more commodity, lower-end stuff than, than, mm-hmm. than what you and I are selling out there. But. Are, you, are you affected at all from um, tariff changes? We were hit with um, steel going yeah. up. Wood, everything that makes our chairs yeah. went up. Yeah, so what the wood was earlier, right? Was earlier. Is that a Canadian thing, or was, tell me about that. Um, we make all of our, our uh, upholstery stuff. We get, we get out of Tennessee. There's okay. four plants. Okay. So everything for us was U.S. driven. Okay. So the tariffs didn't hurt us. It right. hurt our competitors that go right. overseas. Yeah. But what we're seeing, uh, the tariffs are coming in our industry, too. First of all, the government put a tariff on imported washing machines. Um, and so it was a 20% tariff mm-hmm. on the first million, two, and then it goes to 50%. And so while the U.S. manufacturers didn't feel a tariff, well, the tariff was because they weren't as profitable as they thought they needed to be. So they lifted their prices to, s- to slide just underneath that tariff. 
stuff. So we've seen some some significant price increases on a lot of product here, and that was before the steel tariff. Okay. So we're real concerned about the direction of, of pricing going forward here. Uh, we're seeing some August announcements with some price increases from probably due to the steel. We went um, November price increase and then one recently. Yeah. So we're passing to the customer, yeah. but we don't know where it's going. Well, that's the thing I was talking, you know, uh, just, you know, as, as a business owner, you, you borrow money. And so one of my bankers called the other day and says, you know, what do you need to lock in some rates? Rates are going up. Uh, I'm, I'm comfortable where I am because we've got a good blend. But and so we started talking about the economy and, the, and these, these these different things. And he's got some some customers that have seen doubling of prices of steel and things like that. Oh, and, I mean, more than yeah. And so that's a, that's a concern. And, and how does it shake out? You know, you think at the end of the day, you know, the tariffs artificially raise it. Uh, for import stuff coming in, so that import steel maybe stays abroad, and the U.S. manufacturers pick up that business. But at the end of the day, their prices are, have gone up. Like yeah. I said, maybe not as much as the tariff, but you know. So is the reality a year from now that maybe these tariffs are meaningless and they drop them? And so I don't know, but but we're we're going. I saw from 2008, mm -hmm. they 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 took the hit, and now right. they're finally. Yeah. Covering that hit. Yeah, well, you know, years later. our industry has been so uh, inflation just so back when I started in the business, our most popular washing machine was four hundred dollars, mm -hmm. um, and and to be honest with you, that same washing machine today, four hundred dollars. That's amazing. Which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, and you think about that, the price, every, the price of the price of thing, the price of everything else has gone up so much, cars and everything else. Yeah. But uh, our industry is probably not increased in prices like it should have and could have. Um, but we're seeing that now, and, and so when innovative product comes out, they'll get priced for that. But uh, but the steel is a real concern of ours. Because to be honest with you, you know, July fourth, you know, is when we're shooting this broadcast here, and uh, these are probably the best prices that we're going to see for a while. Um, you know, I'm not trying to you know to, to solicit a bunch of business here this week, but we're, August first price increases, um, and I don't think our black black. November Black Friday kind of prices, they're going to be higher than what we're seeing today because of the steel. Uh, it's going to really take more and more effect. So, um, but it's a lot of lot of unknowns, uh, how it kind of sh sorts out and shakes out. And, and uh, uh, But we're concerned about it. You know, we've got good trade partners, our vendors, our suppliers are, are communicating with us about what's going on. Mm -hmm. We're seeing, early on, we're seeing some supply chain issues with the steel as the manufacturers or suppliers have shifted. So, you know, one of my one of my big manufacturers got some tight availability because they can't get enough stainless steel. And so I'm thinking, well, they've had the same relationship with these same steel companies. Oh, well, somebody probably came and paid them a nickel more per pound, you know, whether it's Ford or whoever it is, and is taking some of their steel. And so they're having to scramble to figure out what to do from there. And so, uh, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. But we're, we're, uh, we're in good shape, you know, um, to, to handle it uh, as long as we know what's going on and right. but our consumers we're trying to communicate to them you know if you if you need something it's really a good time to do it because it's going to be more expensive yeah, in the, the back thing. half of the year so but. yeah we, we believe in transparent with our pricing we believe we've seen a lot of retailers say this is the price you can get it for this right our customers can look on their phone right and call that out yeah, so yeah. we really believe in there's no secrets there's no. no secrets and so we're seeing the same thing where people come in with their phones in the showroom and you know we're selling the same stuff in the same boxes and the same model numbers that most other other retailers are and so but we're not afraid of it you know we're not afraid of it. We're, we're a big enough business that uh, we have enough scale what we do we buy it right 
Uh, we're part of a huge consortium of, of dealers like ourselves, and when we go to market, we go to market as a $15 billion business, uh, uh, the, con the conglomeration of us. And so when we go to the manufacturers, you know, maybe it's a $10 million business for me or something like that, but it's, it's a $800 million <coughs> so business for So how you get into that group? So if I'm someone who owns yeah. a... A retail store that yeah. wants that buying power. Yeah, so there's a couple of industry buying groups in the in the, in the market in our industry anyway, and uh, you know it's just it's well known they're out there and, and they're recruiting members all of them are all the time trying to steal each other's membership too I'm sure but uh, at the end of the day um, there's a little bit of cost to be involved in it but it's not only about buying but you learn a lot from each other the best practices we learn we get we get better financing programs so we can offer extended financing terms to our customers at, at, at better uh, better rates than we, we would without on our own probably uh, we um, we share in a lot of marketing data marketing That's analytics and things yeah national company it is yeah so we have a lot of the same kind of resources that we couldn't do on our own that the the conglomeration can do and so the you know the video that we do in our commercials the technology the, the that's that's a whole different level than if we were trying to do it on our own here and so uh, the shared resources is a big deal and and uh, you know there's there's you know, probably 3,000 of us in the group but there's about 50 or 60 of significance that kind of drive the whole group and so we're lucky enough to be one of the large ones in a group and so uh, we, we um, we're involved in what's going on with the group and help help give them feedback to make That's decisions on where to go. Man. Right. That's good. So. Well, I want to talk about HH Greg. Yeah. The yeah. reason I chose HH Greg. Right. Um, you've been a family business. Yeah. I work for yeah. one that's been around since the 60s. Sure. Yeah. It seemed uh, as I read through HH Greg, that's how they started. Yes. Started small. I think it was in Indiana. Yep, Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. And then after about 62 years, they had to they couldn't find a buyer right. and. Right. Had to close up shop. Yeah, so I know those guys. I knew the founders, uh, not the founders. Excuse me. I knew the ne the, the next gen, the second generation. And we talked about the buying group. We're actually in a group with them years ago, and and had great leadership. Um, as as a small business, there were twenty five stores back when I knew them, and uh, and, and uh, back when I was dealing with them. So a couple things, you know. The economies just started racing back, you know, in the late nineties, early two thousand, and so they thought that they had the secret sauce. And so um, uh, the founder uh, found some private equity money to take them from 25 to 100 stores throughout the Southeast. And they came from Indianapolis down here. And um, it was an investment firm out of New York or wherever it was. And, and uh, at the end of the day, the founder died, actually. He was sick when I knew him. And so, not the founder, but the second generation, who was the true leader of the business, um, uh, had, had some health health problems and died with cancer and um, uh, that was probably the reason they sold early on to this or, or sold let this private equity come in but I just don't think they had the leadership to uh, I, I don't know in, in our industry and probably in y'all's too there's not a lot of public companies mm -hmm. you know there, there's just there's just uh, in, in my opinion there's not a huge return for investors you know, in my business, you know, if, if I didn't work in the business and um, it's not a great investment, except that I work in the business too, and so I can take a salary out of the business. And so there's not a public return like you might think of in some of these big, you know, the G's of the world. And uh, um, so it's different. And so scale may get you a little bit of stuff, but at the end of the day, by the time you lose your 
your your market <laughs> recognition, where you come from, your home. They were strong in, in, in Indiana. But once they started getting further and further away from Indiana, you know, all of a sudden you lose your edge, lose your touch, lose your focus. Mm -hmm. You know, you, your people don't know the culture. It, it's not the same culture. Uh, and so at the end of the day, those, those become expenses to you that you can't offset with scale. You know, if you go into a new market, you've gone to new markets before. You can't just go in there and open up a shop and do business that day. You've got to spend a lot of money to get your brand recognition out there. <coughs> and, um, and so to do that market after market after market, and they, you know, probably one of their fatal mistakes was to go into the Chicago market with 20 stores in a market that had to have cost them. I don't know, $50, $60 million to advertise, uh, to get coverage. And so that, that alone right there was, was one of the things. And about the time they went to Chicago is when the market started to, started to tail off. And, and so, but then again, scale gets, doesn't get you but so much. And then when you, when you start to grow past your, your boundaries, you know, your, your familiarity with your consumers and your marketplace, uh, you start to have expenses that you, that you can't compensate with scale. And so you really lose your advantage. Uh, that the independent retailers, there's a, you know, so they had 100 stores in Indiana, all the way into Florida. So they had, they had 200 guys just like me trying to pound them, you know. So if they got 200 guys like me trying to just hit them and hit them and hit them, they, they don't stand a chance, yeah. really. And so you think about that. You guys are a big company, a lot of stores, uh, but, you know, but you've individualized it. And so, you know, you've got a southeast market. You've got responsibility for your, 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 your Carolina stores, and, and, uh, um, but you're, you're focused on that. So that's, that's what you've got to do. You've got to stay focused on it. You've got to understand your markets are different. So, sure. and, the, and products. So we sell different products in Charlotte, North Carolina. They do in Indianapolis, Indiana. Mm -hmm. uh, as strange as that might seem, you know, our, our real estate's different. Our homes are different. Our, the sizes of appliances are different. And so when they've got a cookie cutter plan that works for them up there, doesn't work so much down here. Even in our market, Asheville compared to Charleston. Sure, sure. We're, we're yeah. totally different. Yeah. Same floor plan, yeah. but different methods. Yeah. Different customers. Yeah, and different design, different uh, appeal of, of the, the product, the design, the colors, the, it's all different. So, you know, in, in the furniture business, there's a lot of customization anyway. And so that's an easy thing to kind of fix, but, you know, you, you, you can't go in there without proper research. And so their target was to get to, you know, 13, 14 market share. They never got halfway there. And so, you know, it, it just wasn't going to work for them. Well, you made a good point. I grew up in the restaurant business with a lot of military mm -hmm. owners mm -hmm. straight out of the Navy. Yeah. My dad was out of the Navy, his brother out of the Navy. So that leadership style was hard. Yeah. You better do your job. So yeah. I grew up around that and going through living in Charlotte, going through McCall School and learning leadership. Right. A leader and a manager are two totally different people. Yeah. And you can only push people so hard. Yeah. And today, especially, we talk about staffing. I've had to change our mindset right. to we need to compete for these people, not, well, you did, you were two minutes late, leave. Right. We need to show our best. Right. And win, and yeah. win these people. Yeah. So the environment has changed, and if you don't have leaders, it you know, it's funny. I, I was I was at a seminar with uh, a matter of fact, Wake Forest had a uh, they've got a family business center here. We're part of they're called the Center for Private Business. It's based in Charlotte. They had a speaker come down uh, to talk about leadership, and uh, their reference was you know um, Grant's Grant and Sherman's interaction in the Civil War. Uh, he's a military guy, yeah. and so uh, I'm trying to figure out. There is a huge difference, uh, but this guy had such a um, the way he communicated this leadership style. I think it's uh, it's of interest to me to figure out how to get that 
uh, I don't know, blind, blind following for the military. Because if you don't do it, you they'll they'll, they'll you know they, they they don't have a choice. But and we do, we do. But the way this guy talked about things and the way his leadership style was, you know, it was more of that he people wanted to follow him. It wasn't that they had to fall, but they wanted to fall. Choose a leader. Yeah, and so that's that's the challenge, I think. Not a military style leadership, but that that military, um, like I say, that 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 attraction for that that follower. Uh, But that's that's an interesting thing, and and so I'm kind of reading a little bit about that, trying to figure out if there's a way to make that more of an inherent desire to follow instead of a forced. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, You'll get more yeah. productivity. Uh, but um, it was an interesting, interesting scenario. It really was. A lot of it is um, being genuine. Sure. And, I, and I try yeah. to be transparent, yeah. straight up. Yeah. Hey, I like yeah. you a lot. This yeah. is what we need to do. And yeah. it's okay if you don't want to do right. it. I'll help you yeah. go on to the next right. part of your life. Yeah. Sure. But it's, it's a genuineness. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, this guy was a very authentic speaker and authentic in his conversation was. So uh, it was it was appealing People just to listen to they him. They appreciate that. Yeah. And You're they right. listen. Yeah. And like you say, you know, in retail, you know, as a business leader, you got to be there. You got to show up. You know, I had an unfortunate setback myself personally <laughs> a couple weeks ago. And so I was out of the office really for a couple of weeks. Um, um, but. Um, I was to, I need, in retail. You got to get back in there because, like I said, I've got a great culture and everybody shows up and everything. But, uh, but, but being there makes a huge difference. Huge difference, and, and uh, just showing up. Um, you know, everybody's get a little, little more hop in their step, and, and uh, um, they're just seem to me more focused on what they're doing. And so I was determined to get back as quick as I could, and, and uh, in whatever, whatever status I could. So, uh, but it's encouraging to, to see these people do the work, and, and uh, like I say, the work ethic is, is phenomenal in my business, and, and I know it is for y'all too. But um, it keeps you going. It, it does, and so you want to be there to help support them and, and help help lead them, and. Uh, and Keep moving in the right direction. So. My goal is to pay the most bonus I possibly sure. can this year. Yeah, yeah. We'll make all of our yeah. goals. Well, I don't get paid if they don't. That's, right. <laughs> That's how we have it set They get up. paid first. They get That's paid right. first, which is which is which is proper. It's proper. Yeah. So, I'm gonna um, take a break. Um, okay. Thank you for all the viewers that yeah. are, are tuned in. You can always find this podcast on YouTube, iTunes, and Stitcher. So uh, we'll be right back. <laughs>